Pastor Hesterberg, we warmly welcome you to the pulpit this morning. We thank you, brother, for coming to lead us in word and sacrament and for bringing your wonderful wife, Lori, with you. Okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> As uh, Lori and I were driving down here yesterday, we realized it's been 30 years since we moved from Owensboro. And there have been a lot of changes, and yet there's been a lot of things that haven't changed. The, we noticed uh, that the population at least in Owensboro itself, has pretty much stayed about the same, about 60,000. So I guess more of the growth has taken place in the county. I'm not sure. But uh, it, anyway, it is good to be back with you. <clears throat> we are going to be talking about the truth this morning. So I have some true-false questions for you. True or false? Mickey Mouse's first name originally was Mortimer. It's true, yes. True or false, Facebook is not as popular as it used to be. False. It's actually increased again in the last couple of years. True or false, the national an animal of Scotland is the unicorn. It's true, yes. True or false, almost 30% of all Americans are self-employed. It's true, yeah. True or false, the Great Wall of China is visible from outer space. False. That's one of those urban myths, I guess, that's been propagated. But you can see that it's becoming harder and harder to know what's true, what's false, who to believe, who not to believe. I think we're suffering from a pandemic, and it's not the COVID pandemic. It's a pan pandemic of a lack of truth. And the COVID pandemic certainly didn't help things at all with the Center for Disease Control uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, once trusted uh, uh, drug companies and politicians all lying to us about COVID and its effects and things. It's hard for us to trust anybody anymore. <clears throat> I don't know if you've been listening to the various 
political debates uh, that have gone on in the last couple of weeks, months, uh, the interviews, do you find yourself asking what uh, Pilate asked Jesus when he was standing in front of him? What is truth? We just don't know. The biggest problem, I think, that we face in our country and in our culture today is knowing what is true and therefore knowing who to be able to trust. We seem to, be, to have no way of knowing anything for sure. And we have blurred the distinctions between truth and falsehood more and more with the words that we use. We supposedly can't identify male and female anymore. What is means or what it doesn't mean. Uh, in the uh, 1994 movie came out, it's called True Lies. Now think about that. True Lies. And recently there is a television program that has come forth with the same name. So we wonder how do you distinguish between those two. We talk about half-truths, uh, little white lies, alternative facts, untruths. We have created and I think we have accepted shades of truth so much in our society. But in a way, that's not really a new problem. In the 1960s, we had theologians beginning to talk about the phrase true truth to distinguish between those half-truths and uncertainties. I think it was uh, Francis Schaeffer who coined that term. To peop today, people will say, well, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth. Well, that's a fuzzy way of saying there is no such thing as absolute truth. Oftentimes, I think it's easier to find lies than it is truths. Uh, our Westminster Confession, Larger Catechism, question 145, as it's uh, expanding on uh, the... Uh, the uh, commandment, uh, do not bear false witness, it says, things such as damaging the truth or the good name of our neighbor or our own, giving false evidence, pleading for an evil cause, calling good evil and evil good, boy, we have a lot of that going on right now, rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous, we see that happening. Forgery, concealing the truth, not speaking up for a just cause, speaking the, the truth at the wrong time or in a malicious way, not correcting a lie, speaking untruth, slandering, backbiting, tailbearing, whispering, scoffing, misconstruing intentions, words, and actions, flattery boasting, 
thinking or speaking too highly of others or ourselves or too low. Hiding and excusing sins when we ought to confess them. Raising false rumors, receiving and accepting evil reports. Suspicions, envying, <clears throat> discrediting someone, <laughs> breaking promises. I bet you didn't realize all that goes into lying. Why is it that we've got a commandment, a specific commandment about not lying, but about telling the truth? Isn't it because it is a basic character of our God, that he is a God of truth, that he does the truth, that he speaks only the truth? Is it not because we have a Savior who calls himself the way, the truth, and the life? If he were not the truth, then why do we follow him? Uh, if we want people to know the way to believe in him, the way to heaven, the way to trust in God, then we ourselves have to be people who are people of the truth, people that other people look to for the truth, uh, expect to hear the truth from us. The truth is crucial, and so we ought not to be surprised that Jesus prays for his disciples to be people of truth. And he does that in John 17, 17. And that's one, the one verse that we're going to look at very specifically this morning, but it's couched within a larger prayer, the largest prayer of Jesus that's recorded for us in the scriptures. John 17, the high priestly prayer. So let me read just that one verse. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That prayer is not a prayer of discouragement or of fearfulness. This was a prayer that Jesus prayed very confidently, expecting God to do this as he's getting ready to go to the cross later that evening and all the things that he's going to suffer. It comes shortly after Jesus saying, take heart, I have overcome the world. So this is not a defeatist kind of prayer. It's a confident prayer. The recurring theme of the high priestly prayer is about the relationship, the position that Jesus and the disciples have within the world. Jesus is about to leave the world, as it says here in um, verse, eight, uh, verse 11. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given to me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So you notice that Jesus doesn't ask God, take them out of the world with me. Bring them with me. What he is praying is that his disciples would be different, would in some way be distinct from the rest of the world. What is it that should set us apart 
from our world, especially now. It's that we would be people of truth. So if truth is serious to Jesus, and because it is, he has given us everything that we need in order to be a people of truth. The first thing we need is a standard of truth. We need a starting point. We need something that we can go to and know without a doubt that that is true, that we can count on it, that it is reliable. And we have it. We have it right here, the Scriptures. We can always go to the... This is always completely true. It is always absolutely true. It is always pure truth and not with any kind of errors because God is a God who speaks the truth. It is inerrant, therefore, we say, because God never lies. It is hard at times to know what's true without errors, but this has no errors, no mistakes, no thinking that, well, there's some things that are true and there's some things that maybe aren't true. No. As I mentioned before, if Jesus is not right when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, then we can't count on anything that he has said. We can't follow it. We can't tell people about the truth because we don't have it. And it means that if he died on the cross, he died for his own sins. And our sins aren't covered. And so we're back where we've started from. We're in deep danger. Do you see why it's absolutely important that we believe in absolute truth and that we believe we have a standard of absolute truth? Everything depends on that. If you don't have absolute truth, you have no assurance. You have no certainty. You have maybes, could bes possibilities, opinions, and nothing more. This verse, I believe, also tells us what kind of relationship we ought to have with the Word and with the truth. It says here, sanctify them in your truth. Now that word, in, can mean in, with, or by, I think it actually means all of those, and it suggests to us the ways in which we interact with and we're connected to God's Word. For example, <clears throat> it means to be sanctified by the truth. God works by the truth. He doesn't mix truth with error. He only works by the truth. Uh, the truth is kind of like a, an instrument. Uh, it's kind of like a compass that points to the truth and how we find the, the truth. Uh, even, maybe even more important than that, 
It's like a yardstick. It's like a measuring stick. It's that standard against which we measure everything else to see if it measures up, if it is straight. So we've got a yardstick. We've got something that we can start with that's accurate. It's also like um, a scalpel that cuts away all those pockets of untruth that are in our lives. It's a little bit like a microscope or a telescope that <clears throat> brings the untruth closer so that we can see it and we can identify it that way. <clears throat> God works with the truth of his scripture alongside of it, in conjunction with it. He uses the truth. He never works apart from his word. If we want to know what God's doing, we simply are in his word to interpret those things and understand those things <clears throat> that he's doing. <clears throat> and if he is using his word in our lives, then that means every time we encounter his word daily, often during the day, there ought to be times of confession because we know we do not measure up to that truth, that standard. And then... <clears throat> It's also, if this is to happen, that we are in the truth of God's scriptures. We're immersed in them. We're surrounded by them. As long as we're in the world, we are living in a land of lies. Lori and I live in Illinois, and we often say uh, the slogan is Land of Lincoln. Well, in this world, it's land of lies. And every day, we encounter lies. They're all around us. They, they even come within us. And so I think that maybe points out that maybe the evening is a good time for us to be in God's Word. Because we've been out in the world. We've heard all kinds of lies. They have washed all over us, and now we come home, and if we in, are in God's Word, immersed in it, if we take it into us, it begins to wash us, kind of like taking a shower when we come home from the world, cleaning away all those lies and letting God put the Word inside of us where He can use it even as we sleep to transform us. So we need to get the Word in us so that it can change us. Now, before you think, oh, well, this kind of sounds like a formula. Take two verses, pray a little bit. There, that'll take care of it. If you're thinking that, you've absolutely missed the whole point of this. Because we also need a Savior praying for us for the truth. If, if you had just a few minutes left and you were going to pray for your spouse, your children, a friend, and you wanted to be sure to pray for the most important thing that you could possibly pray for, what would you pray for? Well, look here, Jesus knows 
that it's just a few hours that he's going to be with his disciples. This is what he prays for, for them. Sanctify them by your truth. That's what he's praying for us. It's the best thing. It's what we need most. To sanctify means to make holy or to set apart, to make different. And if there's anything, as I said before, that ought to make us different, that ought to distinguish us from the rest of the world, it's the fact that we are people of truth, that we speak the truth, that we do the truth, that we care about the truth, and that we promote the truth. Those are the things that are going to set us apart. But it's important to know that lying and untruth aren't just out there. They're in here. Jeremiah 17 says, The human heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? You ever notice, if you have small children, you don't have to teach them to lie, do you? It just comes naturally. They're not always going to tell you the truth. We don't start out being truthful people. In the last 10 years, there have been over 31,000 heart transplants. Do you know how many of those were done by the patient himself? We don't do that. So how can we deal with our spiritual hearts and clean them up? We need help for that. <clears throat> Jesus was he, when he was talking to his disciples and to the crowd one day, said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We start out in this world as sinners and as liars. We're slaves to sin. We are under the control of the devil who is the father of lies. That's why we need a Savior praying for us to be truthful people. The disciples, they had no idea what they were going to wander into in the next couple of hours. They were quite confident of things. Sometime either before or after this prayer, we don't know quite which, Jesus tells Peter some very important things for him to know. Let me read them for you from Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 31. He says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may, be, may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I'm telling you, Peter, 
The rooster will not crow this day until you've denied me three times that you know me. Peter was, he knew his heart. He knew that he was better than all these other disciples. He knew what he could take and what he couldn't take. Oh, yeah. He didn't know at all. And neither do we. We are susceptible to lies. We don't even know what we don't know. In Romans 8, 26, Paul says, he didn't even know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit prays for us instead. So what we need is a Savior who knows us in and out, knows everything about us, knows the sin, the pockets of it throughout, knows the tactics of the devil, and knows how to pray for us. In a battle, whoever has the highest ground is usually best able to see everything that's going on in the battle and to know when and where and how to call in reinforcements, to call in supplies. Guess who is sitting at the highest place of all, in all of creation? Jesus, at the right hand of God the Father. Don't you think he sees it all and knows how to pray for us? so that we would be people of truth. If you noticed in your bulletin, I entitled this sermon, Truth or Consequences. I think it was in 1952 when the first actual game show appeared on television. And it was called Truth or Consequences. And what it was was that a contestant was asked some obscure trivial question, and they had maybe about five seconds to come up with the answer, and of course, very few of them ever did. So they had a consequence that they had to do, some little embarrassing activity or something like that. Well, truth is not a game to be played with or taken lightly, and we are suffering the consequences of Adam and Eve buying the devil's lie at the very beginning in Genesis. And from that point on, we have suffered from those consequences of untruth in our world and in our lives. So what can we do? Where do we start? How do we become people of truth? That's where we start that we ourselves become people of truth. It is by turning to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, asking him to pray for us, and listening to him when he speaks to us in his word. I started with some true-false questions. I'm going to end with some true-false questions and ask you to answer them. True or false? We have a truth problem. True or false, our hearts are addicted to lying. True. True or false, only God can fix our hearts. True or false, God has supplied all that we need to become people of truth. 
true or false. So we need to saturate, saturate ourselves more and more with Scripture, which is the truth, and to rely more and more on Jesus to pray for us to become people of truth. Let's do that just right now. Let's pray. Our Father, we stand convicted by your word. We are not people of truth. We should be. We of all people have been given your word so that we could know what's true. But day in, day out, we believe the devil's lies about the world and how it operates and about us and who we are and what we can do. And sometimes, Father, it is so overwhelming, so frustrating that we don't know where to start. We despair of our world and the direction that it's going in and we wish we could do something. Thank you that we can begin to do something, but by your grace and only by your strength. Lord, give us a desire to want to be people of truth who want to change who want you to change our hearts even when it's painful and there may be painful consequences and there are costs help us to become your people and more like Jesus who is the way the truth and the life. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As we have heard the word of God, and as we get ready for communion, let's sing, let's stand and sing.